Welcome to another inspiring message from John Cameron, Senior Pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will encourage, inspire and empower you. All right, we're going to the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 33. Who was there this morning? All right, verse 1. Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem 55 years. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord, following the detestable practices of the nations that the Lord had driven out before the Israelites. Verse 6, He sacrificed his sons in the fire in the valley of Ben-Hinnom, practiced sorcery, divination and witchcraft, and consulted mediums and spiritists. He did much evil in the eyes of the Lord, provoking him to anger. Come down to verse 10. The Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they paid no attention. So the Lord brought against them the armies of the commanders of the king of Assyria, who took Manasseh prisoner, put a hook in his nose, bound him with bronze shekels, and took him to Babylon. In his distress, he sought the favour of the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. And when he prayed to him, that that H should be a capital him, that's God. When he prayed to God, the Lord was moved by his entry and listened to his plea and he brought him back to Jerusalem and to his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord is God. Somebody shout, yeah. Yeah. Verse 14, afterward, he rebuilt the outer wall of the city of David west of the Gihon Spring in the valley, as far as the entrance of the fish gate and encircling the valley of Ophel. He also made the walls of Jerusalem much higher. He stationed military commanders in all the fortified cities in Judah. He got rid of the foreign gods and removed the image from the temple of the Lord, as well as all the altars he had built on the temple hill and in Jerusalem, he threw them out of the city. Then he restored the altar of the Lord and sacrificed fellowship offerings and thank offerings on it and told Judah to serve the Lord, the God of Israel. I wanna preach you a message this morning as part of our series on the topic of Jubilee, simply entitled, After My Deliverance. This is an amazing passage of Scripture that talks about a king who took the throne in Israel, whose name was Manasseh. He followed a king called Hezekiah. Hezekiah was a great king. And in his footsteps came his son, Manasseh. Manasseh became the king of Israel at the age of only 12. Before Manasseh was his life, He'd been given an inheritance, a land, a set of opportunities in life, an identity as a king. And before him was literally a journey, a pathway. You can go one way or you can go the other. But as we've been learning in our series this morning, Manasseh was not the first to take the wrong pathway in life. Manasseh was given the opportunity to either go the pathway of God or to go the other way. 
And the Bible tells us that he took the wrong path. And when you read it, you start to realise just how quickly in life wrong choices begin to compound in a life till suddenly you find yourself in a place you never dreamed you would ever live. I mean, he kind of, he starts to get in trouble in his life. He's lost God. He starts turning to spiritists. Next thing you know, he's, he's looking for divination to provide his answers. Now he's into witchcraft, sorcery. The pinnacle, the pinnacle is when he begins to sacrifice his own sons in the fire to a pagan God. By the way, the same pagan God that caused God to get the Canaanites out of Canaan and bring in the Israelites was because they were sacrificing their children in offerings. And God said, when you, when you cause your degradation to harm the innocent, then judgment will always follow. And, and in this church, we'll never be afraid to say that there is a pathway when it begins to hurt the innocent, God will bring judgment. He's not a God of judgment. He's a God of grace, but He loves the innocent enough to do whatever it takes to protect them. And every parent should say a big amen this morning. And here we have this king that is following this pathway. And the Bible tells us that the king of Assyria, which in the Scripture, Assyria and Babylon are always pictures of the world. And the Bible says that the king of Assyria comes and he puts a, a literally a, a nose ring in the king's nose, puts bronze shekels on him and leads him into captivity. Suddenly, the king, Manasseh, finds himself no longer a king, no longer having an inheritance. In fact, he finds himself in slavery, in bondage. His, his nose is now has a hook in it. He can, be, he can be steered in whatever direction he wants to be in life. And I know there are people sitting here in this room saying, wow, that's horrific. But I want you to understand that at some level, at some point in every person's life in this room this morning, we are all Manasseh. I mean, anybody in this room who's been alive long enough, to be honest, would say that there have been moments in our lives where we've found ourselves. The Bible says that, you know, Jesus said, in fact, in John 8 verse 24, He said, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. So when you and I enter into sin, it's true that we end up with our lives in bondage, no longer in freedom. Something is lost in our lives. In fact, the Apostle Paul said in the book of Romans, chapter 7, verse 14, I am unspiritual. I am sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And I wouldn't have to go far in this auditorium if I was looking for an honest person to find somebody with the feeling that even though you want to go in a different path, there is a hook in your nose and it seems to gravitate you even in a direction you don't want to go. Can I just get an honest witness in this building this morning? And we find about Manasseh that he finds himself in a place so opposed to where he began in his life. He began as a king. He began in blessing. He began in favour. And I want you to know that every person in this room was destined by God to be a king, a queen, a priest, a leader, a ruler. We were, we were created to govern this world in which we live. We are heirs, fellow heirs with Christ. We, we are destined by God to rule and reign in this life and in the one to come. 
But like Manasseh, many of us would say that we followed the wrong path and ended up in a place where we were slaves to something we never intended to be enslaved to, in a position of bondage we never wanted to get to. And the Bible tells us that Manasseh in verse 12 humbled himself and began to seek God. He, he, he began to reach out to this God that we worship. And I love this passage of Scripture because in verse 13, I'm so encouraged to learn that the Lord was moved by His entry, listened to His cry, and man, God brought Manasseh back. Oh man, I don't know who you are in this room, but this we're in the middle of a series in our church at the moment, simply entitled Jubilee. And really, Jubilee is an Old Testament sort of seed thought that Jesus proclaimed in the New Testament as well, that our God comes to us in our lives in the middle of our folly, our error, our mistakes, our sin, our depravity. And Jesus came to see every person set free from even their own foolish ways, to bring us back to Himself, to give us new life, freedom, a second chance, hope, promise, blessing, to restore something. Come on. All over the building, give the Lord some praise this morning. That our God came to our world to bring us back. Can you imagine being Manasseh? I mean, just for a moment, imagine in your life that you started your journey. Some people are going, imagine, I know Him. I, I am Him. Start your journey in life, then to make foolish choices, find yourself in a place where you're just like, how can I ever get out of here? A sentence of captivity, futility, there's no hope for tomorrow. I am in bondage. I literally have no sense of blessing, no, no way out of this situation. I don't know, maybe you're even in this room this morning and that's how you feel right now. Well, this morning is your jubilee. Jesus brought you to this building so that you would know His plan was to set you free from captivity. Somebody shout Amen. He came to our lives to set captives free. Manasseh is in this place where it's just, I have no hope. I have no promise. I have blown it all. And in the middle of it all, he cries out to God. And I want you to understand that there is a reason why God heard Manasseh's cry. There's a reason why this passage of Scripture is in the Bible. The reason why is that we worship the God who invented Jubilee. I want you to know that even in the, this New Zealand culture in which we live, the very notion of a second chance of freedom is in our community because of its Judeo-Christian origins. It is the God that we worship who is the God of grace. You're saying, oh, John, I don't agree with you. Well, look at other cultures and you'll find people will even excuse poverty and addiction in their own communities because that's just their karma, their lot. That's, that's what they're reaping. And I want you to understand that that's not God's intention. It's not, it's not the way God sees the world. He says, everybody deserves a second chance. Yeah, well, they stuffed up their life. Of course, and so did you, you little hypocrite. Come on, everybody in this room's a sinner. Everybody, every Bible says our own righteousness is like filthy rags to our God. 
But the God of Jubilee said, even in your worst moment, in your darkest, for the things you are the most ashamed of in your life, I came to set you free from that prison. Come on. Come on. See, yesterday may have been a disaster, but tomorrow's gonna be a success. Oh man, I don't know what you think you're, you're sentenced to a lifetime of bondage for, but this is what I know. We're in this series blowing a trumpet over every life to let you know that the grace of God is big enough, powerful enough to declare you've got it today and you've got it tomorrow. Our God is the God of Jubilee. Somebody shout Jubilee. He is the God of Jubilee. Grace. Grace. He is the God who forgives us. He's the God who, who brings us out. And here we have Manasseh one day feeling like he's got no hope, no future, slavery, debt, judgment is what hangs over his life. And just like Manasseh, you and I can end up in the similar place and the same kind of feelings. But the God we serve spares us, delivers us, frees us. Jubilee is a work of grace. In our lives, it's always undeserved and unearned. You can't ever qualify for Jubilee. You can't do enough to get Jubilee. Jubilee is not about the fact that I worked up enough good to outdo the bad. It's about the fact that the God we serve says, even though you don't deserve it, I love you enough to give you a second chance and a third and a fourth and a fifth. It's called Jubilee. I'm sounding the trumpet and the trumpet is grace. His kindness confronts us. It overwhelms us. Manasseh finds himself restored back to the throne. He is free. He's given a second chance in life. And hopefully in this series, somebody has let themselves out of prison, let somebody near them out of prison, understood during the series that you've got a second chance. And so this morning, I wanna take it to another level because here we get an amazing picture into a guy who's the personification of needing Jubilee. I mean, he ends up in bondage, not because God hates him, but because he's an idiot. He is depraved. He has fallen down. He is in folly. He's sacrificing his own kids in the fire. And yet God spared him. And if God spared him, He'll spare you too. And Manasseh is given a second chance. He's delivered. And my question for you is what do you do after your deliverance? Because what's amazing about this is that we get a little verse that's just chucked in here and it says afterward, afterward, in his distress. And then it says in verse 14, afterward, after his deliverance. See, my question is if we're stepping into Jubilee in the series, well, honestly, we, we're gonna keep coming back to it, obviously. We always need Jubilee. Jesus is our eternal Jubilee. But how many people know that God didn't deliver Manasseh out of captivity just to do it again the next day, the next week, the next month? And we are to grow in grace. Grow in grace. So that the grace of God takes more root in our lives so that yes, we will always need Christ's eternal Jubilee but less and less we find ourselves in the mistakes that God will always come and free us from. So as we let ourselves off the hook and as we come out 
of our prison cells, what do we do after our deliverance? The first thing that I note about Manasseh, the first thing that happened for him in his life is found in the last sentence of verse 12, verse 13. And it says, Then Manasseh knew that the Lord is God. The first thing that's gotta happen in our lives, my friends, if we've been delivered, from our captivity and brought out into God's freedom is we have to acknowledge the Lord. See, if there's, a, if there's just kind of a, an opposing view as to why you and I need, if there's kind of a contrast between the need of Jubilee and the getting of Jubilee is that we need Jubilee when it's about me. And we step into Jubilee when it becomes all about you. I was preparing the sermon, I just put a, a huge you on my page because really Jesus is our Jubilee. The work of the cross is Jubilee. Now you and I have experienced Jubilee and the reciprocal response, the, the return of having received Jubilee is to make our gaze no longer on ourselves, but to fix our gaze upon Him, to acknowledge the Lord. Oh man, see, I want you to understand that when God sets you free, when you experience His forgiveness and know His grace, your next step is always gonna be to say, wow, you are God. You are my freedom. You are my all. You are my deliverance, my salvation, my love, my hope, my peace. I thought it was all about me, but now I realise that it's always been all about you. See, I want you to note something that the Jubilee is the whole Gospel. Jubilee is the whole Gospel. The whole Gospel is Jubilee. That we deserved a sentence, sin was over our lives, there was nothing we could do about it, the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And Jubilee is about the Gospel, that God set us free from what we, we actually deserved and earned. Yet in spite of it, he cancelled our debt. He removed our transgressions. He gave us a new tomorrow. That's the whole message of Jubilee. And then the Bible says that once experiencing it, that Manasseh knew that the Lord is God. Because this is one thing. Jubilee is the whole Gospel. But Jubilee should then move us to acknowledging God because to know and acknowledge God is the whole purpose of creation. See, the reason why God made you and I was to have relationship with Him. The ultimate destiny, the ultimate, you know, kind of height you can get to in life is to, to know the Lord. And so the whole Gospel moves us to the whole purpose. And when you and I begin to acknowledge God, we're setting our lives on the right pathway. We are ensuring that we'll never fall into the trap of needing Jubilee again. Luke 17 verse 11 tells the story of these 10 lepers that Jesus healed. And the Bible says that they were all cleansed. But then in verse 17, it says that Jesus asked the question, were not all 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? Because one guy came back to give thanks, to acknowledge Jesus. And what Jesus has done was no one found to return and give praise to the Lord, except this foreigner. Then he said to him, rise and go, because your faith has made you well. See, he said all 10 were cleansed. And the word cleansed in the Greek literally means to be healed. 
In fact, if you go to uh, NASB or New King James, that's literally what it says. We're not all 10 healed, but only one did He declare over His life, you are made well, which is actually a different Greek word that means to be saved. So I want you to understand that everyone got a jubilee, but one returned and acknowledged God. And when, when our temporary freedom becomes an acknowledgement of God, it is our salvation, not only for our yesterday and our today, but for our tomorrow, we won't find ourselves in prison again. Come on, somebody say, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Acknowledging God gives permanence to our deliverance. I was listening to my wife's podcast last night and she said this in her sermon. She said, to the, ex- the extent to which we can accept what Christ has done for us is the extent to which we will experience jubilee. The extent to which we can accept what Christ has done for us is the extent to which we will experience jubilee. It's about acknowledging God. Notice that the second thing he did, it's found in, the, in verse 14, in the first sentence of verse 14. He says, he rebuilt the outer wall and he also made it much higher. He rebuilt the outer wall and he made it much higher. He made the walls of Jerusalem higher. The second thing that we need to do, if we're gonna, after our deliverance, after our deliverance, the th- second thing that it's wise to do is He built the walls higher and more secure. See, I want you to understand that Manasseh did not intend to be enslaved by the king of Assyria. I mean, you know, if there's one thing that I know about anyone overtaken by evil, anyone who's ever found themselves enslaved to some kind of sin, anyone who's ever found themselves in life somewhere that they never dreamed they would ever be. Their question is always, how did the enemy get in here? I mean, I've counseled thousands of people in my 20 years of Christian ministry and I've never found a person who was like, yeah, well, I just ripped down the wall and said, devil, have a field day with me. I don't care anymore. Everybody started off thinking that their walls were high enough. Come on thinking that they got it sorted and then one day realise that the enemy can just walk right through that wall. And then God in His grace said, you get a brand new start. That's cool. I love you. You're an idiot, but let me help you. Turn the person next to you and say, we're all idiots. But then the God of Jubilee comes to us, sets us free, puts us back right where we were, And how many people know that after our deliverance, it just makes sense to then say, well, I was silly before, but let's not be silly again. Let's make these walls higher so that He doesn't get in here again. I mean, people end up in need of Jubilee in all sorts of areas in their lives for all sorts of reasons. But one thing unites us all. There was a breach in the wall. The enemy was able to get in. Come on, somebody. He was able to get in. Nobody plans to fail. They just fail to plan. They just think that their walls are good enough. It's gonna be all right. Not knowing that the king of Assyria, picture of Satan and the world is coming at us. And after our deliverance, it's smart to then say, I've got to stop the enemy from getting in here ever again. Let me ask you a question, church. Are your walls high enough? 
Are your walls high enough? There's forgiveness for everything, right? Jubilee for everything. But I, ask yourself, are your walls high enough? Because it's amazing how often later on in life you realise I've got to change my walls because they were too low. I've got to get this thing sorted out. Your lowest level will be His first point of attack. I began to think about a wall and really everybody's just going to circle the wall. Any smart enemy is just going to circle the wall. He's not going to go for the place that's high and got barbed wire on it. That's what you wear when you come to church. Oh no, I'm so holy, you know. Hallelujah. Just bless you, brother, yea, verily. You know, I mean, you might have a front wall that's large, got barbed wire, Dobermans. But out the back, it's a waist high picket fence. And the devil's saying, well, I'm not going to come in that way. I'm going to go around the other way. So you've got to strengthen your weaknesses. You do. I mean, Christ is our strength, but then we have to build our wall as well. And so I'm going to make sure that he doesn't get in here again. Stop him. Number three, the third thing, and I'm closing, is that he got rid of his foreign gods and his idols. See, this is the thing is that when you have yet to experience jubilee, you become confronted because foreign gods and idols, it's kind of like many people in life live their life with like, yeah, I have a faith in Jesus. But you know, people are speaking to me and the Bible's speaking to me about these other things in my life and, you know, making an issue out of them. And I just don't really get it. I mean, you know, what, what, surely, I mean, I, I come to church on a Sunday. So what's wrong? What's wrong with this thing? When we know there is something wrong, but we try and justify it and excuse it. And the Bible kind of says, well, that, that thing, that thing that you know God's putting His hand on, we're gonna call that a foreign God or an idol, something else in your life that you value, that you bow to, that you allow to kind of curtail, to influence decisions in your life. And it's easy to think that why would God put His hand on that? But something happens in a person's life when they experience jubilee. Because jubilee is about coming to the end of yourself and saying, I have no hope. Then you have God step in and deliver you, which then causes an awakening within the person's life to say, man, you are amazing. You're awakened to His kindness, not His severity, to His love, to His kindness, to His grace, to His compassion. And the Bible says that it is the kindness of God that leads us to a place in our lives of repentance, that we get to a place in our world where we know that we need somebody to step and He steps in and then suddenly we are free from what is wrong with us and we're awakened to man, that God is incredible. And then suddenly within us, we feel the sense of man, this God is so generous, so kind, so compassionate, so giving. So He gave His Son so that we could have life. He cancelled our sin. 
He gave me a second chance in my life. And before Jubilee, it's easy to say, I'm gonna carry something in my life because I want it. And why would God really put His finger on it? And what kind, of a, what kind of a God would have an issue with my idol, not knowing that the God that we serve sees us where we are, delivers us out in spite of the fact that we got ourselves into that pickle. And this changes the way you see God. Because now we're not saying, well, what a harsh and demanding God. Instead, we're saying, what a kind and compassionate and giving God. And if He would give me jubilee, then why would I withhold something from Him? And this is the awakening of grace in a person's life. It's to say, now that grace has been awakened in my world, now that my life has been awakened to His wonder, why? Why would I hold back from Him? 2 Corinthians 7.1 since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. So once you're awakened to who He is and His promises and His grace, then it's just natural to go, hang on a minute. That God is amazing. What He's done for me is amazing. What He's promised for me is amazing. And then you view things in your world a little bit differently because before you really want Him. But after you understand how great He is, that's what grace is really all about, by the way. It's just being awakened, not just. It's being awakened to how amazing God is and therefore how really just detestable other stuff that would harm us as well. Since we have such promises, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit. Because He is the God of Jubilee. Jesus is our Jubilee, our vision, our hope, our love, our peace. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church and John Cameron, go to arise.org.nz or follow them on Twitter at John Allen Cameron and at Arise Church.